0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning. Good to uh, be together again this morning be able to worship the Lord. I want to ask you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, returning to uh the section that we started uh, talking to uh, parents, and uh, the title of the message, Parenting with Purpose, is yes, uh, Ephesians 6. Well, if you remember, if you were with us last time as we looked at this passage, <clears throat> the Lord gave two commands to uh, children that they might obey and honor. Uh, their parents, and they also gave uh, two promises there that would go well with them and they might live long in the land. Uh, Let's just look at uh, those verses again from uh, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction in the Lord. Well, if you think about uh, the children and their uh, command to obey and to honor their parents, there's Two major influences in their life that hinder them from uh, obeying their parents, from obeying the Lord, and one of those uh, influences is the world. There's a, a typo there. That should be the world, not the word. <laughs> the uh, the world's influence, which is that which is outward from uh, from the child, is um, no friend of um, uh, Christianity, is no friend of those of us who would seek to uh, live for the Lord, is in fact uh, our spiritual enemy. The world is under the, the sway and the, the, the devil is, is described as the prince uh, and the power of the air who um, is uh, working to um, lead us away from God and he's working to to um, lead our children away from the Lord and from obedience to us. We know that uh, disobedient children is one of the characteristics of the last days. It's a term describing this uh, time in which we are in the church leading up until the the return of the Lord to um, catch away the, the rapture, to catch away the church to be with Him. And um, in 2 Timothy, Paul writes there in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, "...but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy." That's quite a good description of the day in which we live, isn't it? Uh, As if it were written uh, yesterday. Uh, The Lord has warned us that uh, we will experience these days in which we're living. And it's interesting that he includes there disobedient to parents. And so there's this outward influence that we as parents need to be aware of, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of our children and so we, we have to combat against that. we have to equip and warn our children uh, as they grow older against this um, outward influence and pull away from the Lord there's also this uh, inward influence the the flesh uh, that um, battle that we battle against and our children battle against in their own hearts as they would uh, would um, be drawn away by their own sinful hearts from uh, obedience to parents. Um, there's many that, that, according to a humanistic philosophy, believe that uh, children are born uh, with a neutral character, or or their, or their nature is is um, is is not um, positive or negative. It's like a it's like a blank page. And that as, as parents, we write upon the page of their life with, with good influences or bad influences and their environment impacts them to, to, uh, so that they would become who they will be as adults. But uh, that's not the testimony of Scripture. The Scripture uh, tells us that <clears throat> we, uh, we have a, a sinful nature. Uh, notice uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And then also in uh, Psalm 58, verse 3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth speaking lies. And he's just describing there in those verses the, uh, the heart of man from birth. Is, is such that um, naturally is not blank it's not like a it's not like a white page it's it's naturally inclined to go away from God it's, it's naturally inclined to uh, uh, sinful actions sinful attitudes uh, turn back a couple of pages in your Bible there to Ephesians chapter two and be reminded. <clears throat> There's we look at uh, those first three verses in chapter 2, and there Paul is describing the condition of man, uh, and he's describing it as our nature. He says, uh, Ephesians 2, verse 1, and you were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So he describes this this lost condition of man as something that is by nature. Uh, we, We... describe that or use the a title of total depravity of man and by that uh, we, do, we don't mean that man is as bad as he could be or that he only does bad but that uh, <clears throat> or it also doesn't mean that um, he can't do good man in his lost condition it can certainly do good things but Total depravity means that sin has impacted every part of who we are. And, uh, and so it's total in and cor- and its corruption. Sin has, has brought corruption upon every part of us, so that regardless of how good we might be, how positively the, the people around us think we are, they can think that we're a really good person, a good neighbor. Uh, and all of those things, uh, from God's perspective, they um, do not contribute to um, our being right with God. Uh, God can look upon that good and recognize that those are good things. But because of our sin, God cannot, cannot accept uh, what we deem as good. Is payment for our sin, or to satisfy God's judgment upon our sin, and so our our depravity is is total in its impact upon us. And so the man, when you think about our children as they grow up, are totally dependent upon the grace of God in their lives to to bring them to a place where they can trust in the in the Lord Jesus Christ and be able to recognize who they are and to, and to trust the, what Christ did for us is death, burial, and resurrection. And so as parents, our responsibility to, to bring up our children is more difficult than just teaching and influencing a blank page. Uh, we must seek to turn them from their own way. The, the way of their inclination of their heart is, it will be away from God it will be a, a disobedient heart a, a rebellious heart, and so we must turn them uh, from that way to the Lord and so the parenting responsibility and task is to is to help them to to turn away from the their natural way and turn to the Lord well last time we talked about this um, uh, this goal that uh, we as parents could have for our children, that uh, they would grow up and love the Lord with their whole heart, with their all, all their strength, their whole being, in other words, all that they are, as we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, we want to lead this uh, next generation, our own children, and even those part of the body of Christ that, that maybe not. don't have children at home, we still have an impact upon this next generation. And we want them uh, to be fully devoted to the Lord. And so the last time we talked about what we can do to help lead this next generation to the Lord. I want to review those uh, three things very quickly this morning. First of all, we ourselves must be fully uh, devoted to the Lord, that that same life purpose that we would have for our children must be in us. Uh, we we must have that and adopted that as our own purpose. That we would love the Lord with with our whole strength, our whole might, our heart, and all the things as you can describe our whole being. Uh, that we would be fully devoted to Him. And then, and then secondly, would naturally flow out of that would be a full devotion to the Word of God, what God has given us, His, His Word, His commands, His um, principles that He's given us that we would uh, uh, live for Him. And so the Word of God must be in our hearts. It must permeate our, our thinking and inform every part of our lives. And then thirdly, flowing naturally out of that would be to teach our children. If, if we're fully devoted to the Lord and to His Word, it's, it's only going to be natural that we're going to want to communicate that truth and that, uh, those principles to our own children. Now, if you remember, uh, <clears throat> we looked at Deuteronomy 6 and verse 7 says, "...you shall teach them diligently." to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and we talked about the two parts there of that teaching first of all the systematic part the part that's uh, the the diligent the word translated there to teach them diligently is this uh, the systematic the planned organized teaching of God's word and then And then secondly, the informal teaching of God's Word, the the talk, the conversation about God's Word that's part of our everyday life. And so that um, the Word of God is not just something for Sunday morning or for Sunday school or for a specific time. It is is our life. And so we, we talk about God's Word in the context of life. And that's what he means by the sitting in your house and the walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, it's it's every part of our life. And every problem that we face, we, 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 we bring it to God's Word and evaluate our life and, and decisions that we make in the context of God's Word. Well, <clears throat> as we saw the two commandments to children, there's also two commandments to parents. Uh, notice... Uh, Again there in uh, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so there's a positive, positive command and a, and a negative command. He starts with the negative. Do not provoke uh, your children to anger. And in Colossians 3, verse 21, he says it this way, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so he's, he's concerned about <clears throat> a parenting that uh, would, would <clears throat> cause a, a child to grow up anger, with anger and to be discouraged. Um, and that anger, um, it doesn't say specifically, but <clears throat> evidently is towards the parents or maybe towards the Lord, uh, but it's but, but the general anger and discouragement those those tend to go together and he's not implying that um, children are not responsible for their anger he's not saying if children are angry it's it's all on the parent (laughs) no no children are responsible for their actions and for their attitudes but he's warning parents and in the context of verses 1-3 he has parents in mind here but you'll notice that he's speaking specifically to fathers uh, and uh, and evidently it's because uh, that's where the great great greater need was for this warning um, fathers are are generally more inclined to misuse their authority we, we talked about in the in the home that the the father has that is the head and has the responsibility to lead. And uh, the flesh, the natural tendency of the flesh is to misuse that authority and to, uh, to be overbearing, to be, to be domineering in and, um, and parenting. Uh, there's also the other extreme that um, uh, he could also have in mind is that some fathers are just absent they're They're just uninvolved in the lives of their children, and when they are engaged it's not a positive experience and so that can also lead uh, children to be uh, angry and discouraged and so <clears throat> we um, we are uh, <clears throat> some ways as a parent uh, it's it's possible to um, In our parenting, to cause our children to be exasperated is another way you can describe what he's he's talking about here. Or to provoke our children to anger. And if you think about some of those ways, I just listed here as I was preparing some ways in which as a parent we can um, contribute to that. And one of the ways is uh, having unreasonable demands. In other words, expectations that um, are are really practically unreasonable. In other words, a child, although he may try, he's never feels like he can please his parent or the father especially. Uh, I, I see this happening where a child just feels like, no matter, the expectation is always higher, and there's never a sense of... Um, a praise or love, or sense that they've um, uh, are always trying to always trying to uh, live up to a standard that the, they become discouraged because it's it's not really within their grasp or, or, or reach. There's also the problem of favoritism. Uh, do you remember um, Jacob with uh, with his son Joseph as, as his favorite? And how that that angered his brothers and uh, ultimately uh, capturing him was going to kill him, but uh, sold him off to um, be taken down to egypt and and so we we have to guard against that there's also this um, inconsistent that's a related problem of being inconsistent with our expectations, in other words, one day we have this high standard and we're and, you know, we're holding the child to that. And the next day, maybe we're busy and we just let things slide. And so this up and down, the moving of the goalpost, so to speak, the changing of the rules, or maybe mom has one set of standards and dad has another set. And so there's this, there's always uh, an inconsistency that, that is also exasperating uh, to a child. Uh, <clears throat> You may not may not think this is a problem, but permissiveness is also uh, just as as the the one side of extreme of being overbearing. Being permissive and without guidelines is also a way to frustrate a child. Well, normally a, a mother has the majority of the involvement in the life of a child, especially very young children, but God has. <clears throat> Is speaking to fathers here, and he, in particular, wants fathers to know that they must also be engaged in the life of the child, and they have a responsibility for what happens in the home. And although the mother may do the majority of the parenting, uh, the father is still ultimately responsible for uh, for what's happening in the home for the children's. Upbringing, and so he wants uh, fathers to to recognize that sense of responsibility. I've noticed that uh, it's it's not across the board, but oftentimes fathers will, um, with with young children, he, he just just let the mother do everything, be totally unengaged in uh, training and discipline or any of those things, and. And uh, uh, then maybe when the child gets a little bit older, uh, and then, then he kind of steps in and, and starts, uh, starts being involved in the child's life. Well, that's not God's plan. God's plan is that the, that the father senses that responsibility for that child right from the beginning. It doesn't mean he's going to spend more time with the child. It doesn't mean he's going to do all the the training or discipline or any of those things but that he is sensing his responsibility for what god has, has given him as the as the leadership in the home well i want us to think about as he as he says this negative command here uh, do not provoke to anger he doesn't it <clears throat> doesn't describe exactly what he has in mind and so he leaves he leaves the, the door open for us to, uh, to, to use wisdom about ways in which that can happen. but I, I, want, to, I want to want us to think about two extremes. Uh, the one is, a, is an authoritarian approach, a, a domineering kind of rule uh, where um, the father is many times more inclined. To, uh, to, to have this approach to parenting. And it's, and it's oftentimes a, a very selfish kind of oriented approach to parenting. In other words, it's like, don't bother me. Or don't embarrass me. You know, it's, it's like, you know, you must, when you're around me, you must behave or, <laughs> or you're in trouble. And, and so it's a, it's a concern many times. It's mainly outward. It's just like conformity. You know, do what I say. Not necessarily what I, what I do, but do what I say. And that's it. Um, now, this, uh, this kind of uh, domineering approach, it may produce the desired outward conformity. Many times it will um, cause children to be outwardly conformed to what your standards are. But it doesn't get to the heart. It, it doesn't deal with the heart issues that really, as parents, we need to be concerned about. Even more than the outward, we must be concerned about what's happening in the child's heart. And if the heart is right, then the outward, the outward conformity will happen. The same is true in our lives. God doesn't want us just to, to do this and don't do that. He, he, he speaks to our hearts. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, it's because God has opened our heart to receive the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because He's now come and, and dwelt within us, uh, we, we naturally have a desire to live for Him and obey Him. So as parents, we, we must parent uh, with this desire to reach the child's heart, their attitudes, their thoughts, their minds. Well, with this <clears throat> domineering kind of uh, parenting... Oftentimes, a, a, a greater emphasis is given to what a child mustn't do than what they should do, um, it, it's, um, or maybe what the child should become. And so it can be very negative-oriented many times. There, there's, a real, uh, there's not much emphasis given to the moral and spiritual uh, development of the child. It's, uh, it's, it's all about um, just conformity. And um, many times the discipline is a, is a heavy-handed kind of discipline without without love, without building into the the life of the of the child. Well, in, a, in any culture, you have um, these norms of parenting that will swing that the natural tendency is to swing from one extreme to the other. and so the, the other the other extreme is a permissive indulgent kind of parenting style and and if a, and if, a uh, if a child has a growing up has a parent who is who's very domineering or maybe even abusive in in the way in which they've they've parented oftentimes that that child will grow up and say i'm i'm not going to be like that when i become a parent in the desire to not be like their parent, there is this tendency to go to the other extreme. In their desire to not be something, they go to the other extreme of being permissive and indulgent in their parenting of their own child. I tend to see this extreme of permissiveness more in Christian parents. And uh, many times because they've wrongly equated permissiveness with love and patience. In other words, in the name of love and patience, they will tolerate disobedience and dishonor from their children. Uh, sometimes uh, permissive uh, parenting is driven by fear. It's a fear that the child won't love me. And I, I've heard uh, fa- fathers say this before. You know, they're they away a lot of time during the day, come home at night and they don't want to have to discipline their children because they only have so much time with them and they want that to be positive. They, they, they don't want their child uh, thinking of them negatively and they're afraid that their their um, child won't love them. Um, also, this um, uh, parenting style is, um, is thought of as, um, as being loving, but in, in reality, uh, the Bible doesn't describe love in that way. Uh, biblical love is proactive. It's not permissive. And we can model our parenting after the way our the Lord, our Heavenly Father, um, deals with us. And our Heavenly Father is very patient, very loving, but He's not permissive. Uh, he, he, he leads us to deal with our sin and to confess it, to turn away from it. And He, and he oftentimes uses discipline in our lives to bring us... To that point, notice um, in Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. There's that phrase there. There's a a diligence to discipline him. It's This corrective discipline. And uh, parents, especially of young children, has to be diligent in correction. Because it's, um, you're, you're trying to turn that child away from his own way, and it's not an easy task. And sometimes you feel like this: all you're doing is disciplining. And it's just again and again and again have to be told and have to be corrected. But we must be diligent. And that diligence to have a, a biblical uh, correction will produce the fruit of the positive fruit in that child's life that we want to accomplish, but we as parents must be diligent. Uh, a, a, a permissive parent is often influenced by the thinking of the world. And we, we get this, you know, this input from the world constantly around us, and um, modern psychology will tell us that um, our main goal must be that the child will be happy. In other words, we try to uh, create an environment so the child's happy and positive, and there's no, uh, there's nothing happening that upsets that um, positive uh, environment where the child can can exercise his um, rights or his, um, you know, his emotions, and, and so in other words, you um, you try to avoid the uh, anything that would upset the child. And you try to promote the things that to make for um, a happy life. Well, many many parents have tried to um, uh, kind of create this environment. And what happens oftentimes is that the um, life revolves around the child. Have you noticed that? In other words, whatever the child wants. We can't go here, we can't do that because of little Johnny or or, or Susie and And uh, we, you know, we got to do it this way and we have to do it that way. And we and we can't go to that restaurant or we can't, uh, you know, be around, you know, these people or life just revolves around the child. And the child can easily grow up thinking that life is supposed to revolve around me. But that child will grow up to be very, uh, very frustrated. And in the meantime, very discouraged because they soon realize, realize that life is not like that. Life does not revolve around them. And uh, everyone else is not going to treat them that way. And so they become very um, uh, very discouraged in life. And very angry many times in life. Because people don't treat them the way they ought to be treated. Uh, many times these parents that uh, are trying to parent in this style... Uh, also become exasperated. and They also become discouraged because it's, it's always a battle. Especially for very young children. It's, it's always a battle. They're, they're always, uh, no matter how patient they try to be or how loving they try to be, the, the children just don't cooperate and they're just out of control. And it's like you're always trying to find some way to, uh, to, to, to deal with them and, uh, and it becomes very discouraging. And oftentimes parents will try to um, use other means uh, to, to deal with their children, like manipulation. Or, or try to, uh, like, like reverse psychology, uh, for example. Like tricking your child uh, <clears throat> by telling them the opposite of what you want them to do. You know, those, those kinds of uh, games that you might play or, or empty threats. Like, uh, if you don't come now, I'm going to leave you, you know, have you heard that in the grocery store? I have, (laughs) where, where a mom, you know, threatens the child. She's definitely not going to leave him, but you know, that's worked before. So we'll try it again, you know, to get the child to do what uh, you ask him to do, um, and many other kinds of uh, empty threats. And it doesn't take long for a child to, to learn and um, to realize what you're doing. There's also the use of bribes. Um, now, there's a subtle difference between bribes and incentives. Uh, bribes are uh, negative in their nature and incentives are positive. In other words, like a, like a reward for an action or... Or an attitude of obedience is a positive thing, and it's a good thing. The Lord gives us incentives to obey Him, and He promises rewards for obedience. Uh, and so those are, those are certainly positive things, but a bribes you could think of a parent trying to um, get their child to do something they, they otherwise are not going to do. and so it becomes a, it becomes a tool. Of a parent who's desperate, who's just this only it's the only way I can get the child to obey, that that's becomes a negative use. And a child will learn the difference. They it won't take them long to to learn the difference, and they will use they will use that to manipulate the parent. Well, parents are to be loving, they're to be patient but not tolerant of disobedience and dishonor. Proverbs 29 verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. In other words, he's left to his own way. And so as parents, if we don't um, intervene in their life to stop them from their own way and to turn them from that way, uh, we will uh, we will we will experience the uh, the heartache um, more than likely these proverbs are not hard and fast um, rules they they are wisdom principles and so the proverbs speak to us about wisdom and and uh, having wisdom in the way that we live our lives the rod is a uh, is a symbol of uh, of discipline. It's uh, you could think of a switch or uh, or a paddle that we would apply to the bottom of a of a child's backside and to um, to inflict pain, a measured, appropriate pain. And when the, when the proverbs talks about the rod, that's what he's what he's talking about. Is bringing, bringing discipline. You can think about a couple of Old Testament examples of um, a permissive parent. You can think about Eli, the high priest. Uh, we don't have the details of what happened when when the, his parenting of them when they were young, but when they were older, we know that Eli failed to um, uh, do what um, God had commanded, and he didn't hold them accountable. Uh, his sons, in their in their role as as priests, they um, they were in open sin against God. And uh, the Lord said to Eli that he had honored his sons above the Lord. And uh, so that we can, we can imagine that that was a pattern from the time they were young, that Eli had lacked the courage of his conviction. Uh, Eli had conviction of what was right. And he did warn his sons, but he didn't do anything about it. And so parenting requires a, a courage. It requires a commitment. It's not for the weak, at, uh, weak of heart and the faint-hearted, so to speak. It, it, re- it requires a conviction about what God wants, and it, and it requires a determination to, uh, to parent according to God's will. Well, you can also think about uh, King David and... Um, the heartaches he had with his with his own sons, and uh, in one King's chapter one, we read about after Solomon became king, um, one of the other sons by by another wife, Adonijah, he decided that he wanted to be king and uh, in one King's five says that uh, he exalted himself, saying, "I will be king, and he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And then an interesting uh, statement in verse 6 gives us insight into the the real root of the problem. It says, His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, Why have you done this and so? In other words, either David was just permissive and just didn't want to say, No, you can't do that. Or he was just absent. In their life, and it could have been a, been a result of the practice of having multiple wives and and children by these different wives and just it would be easy to just give that responsibility over to someone else, let the mother deal with the child or let somebody else take care of their their problems. but we see that pattern in david's life where as, as adult sons they he could even reprimand them, but not really. Having a relationship with them to um, to parent them and to have a healthy relationship with with their with the sons and so we see this uh, neg- negative examples in the old testament, and with David by that statement there that he' never at any time displeased him, you see this parenting goal that evidently David had to not um, Uh, to not displease the child, in other words, to, to make the child happy. To parent in such a way that the happiness of the child becomes the main goal. Now obviously we want our children to be happy, but that goal can't be a goal that's above the goal to honor the Lord and to love the Lord. And so if we keep that main goal, the main thing, the main thing, then it puts... It puts the happiness of the child into perspective, doesn't it? And it uh, it allows us as a parent to um, uh, to to keep our priorities right. Well, I want us to go to uh, this second command, which is a a positive command. He says, "Bring them up." That's the command. Bring them up. That's that's parenting. We would we would say, you know, raise the child or or bring them up or to. Um, whatever terminology you use, it's the it's the parenting responsibility, and and he gives two parts to that. He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so, first of all, I want us to to look at the at the discipline, the Padia, which really speaks to uh, directing and correcting. Um, and there's an the emphasis with this word on training by action. Um, the, the second word deals more with the speaking and, and, and talking. This first part deals more with the action of parenting. If you can think about the illustration of, a, um, of pruning, uh, like a, a, a shrub or, or some type of a plant that needs to be pruned. I can remember... Um, Oh, years ago, uh, we went back to the States, and um, my mom and dad have these um, uh, holly bushes out in front of their house, and they, they hadn't pruned those for years, and they just got out of control. They were just you know, massive, and, and the only green part was just like on the, like, like a thin layer around the outside, and the inside was all brown. And uh, she wanted me to prune those. I don't know what she had in mind. (laughs) She would evidently just, you know, snip off a little bit on the top. But I pruned them down to, you know, like uh, to a height where they really needed to be in front of the house. And it was no green left. It was just totally brown. And my mom was like, man, you've killed killed those shrubs. But it didn't take long until they came back out and they were you know looking very good and full green right down to the to the you know the base of the of the plant and that that pruning it seemed harsh and it seemed difficult and it was and uh, it appeared to be negative but it produced a very positive result and so this discipline that we're talking about many times is perceived as as negative. It's perceived as something that's uh, not nice, but we have to we have to put in our minds the positive result that comes from it. You can also think of a of a, of a vine of some kind, like a climbing rose or or some other type of uh, plant that we'd grow up on a trellis. There's the, the word discipline here. <clears throat> um, is the idea of, of the work that's needed on a regular basis to keep a growing a vine in good shape. There's, there's the regular pruning off of limbs that are going the wrong direction. There's the, uh, the fertilizing and the watering and the, and, and the tying up of, of a limb in the direction you want it to go in. And so there's this constant work to, um, to keep... To keep it growing in the right shape, in the right direction. It's not something that you can just plant and just let it go. Let it grow however it wants to. Otherwise, it it gets out of control. And so parenting is like that. It requires this constant working, constant uh, directing, constant correction. And that's that's the word that he's talking about here. It's it's being trained by discipline. Uh, If you turn with me quickly to Hebrews... And I want to take the time this morning to uh, to show you this passage because it really speaks to um, uh, the concept of discipline. And it uses here, it's talking about the discipline of the Lord. And from that we learn what our parent parental discipline is like, or should be like. Hebrews 12, if you found your place there. I'm going to read beginning in verse five and um, in the context he's talking about enduring and uh hardships in life and the, the things that bring the Lord brings into your life as as a disciplinary in our christian life he says verse five and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and he quotes from proverbs three verse eleven to twelve. Which says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wearied when, he, uh, when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And he expects the answer to be none. All sons who are loved receive discipline. And then he continues, If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, speaking of the of the, the earthly fathers, they disciplined us for a short time and it seemed... As it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good. In other words, earthly fathers, even when they're doing their best, are not going to be perfect. Sometimes they, they don't discipline in the right way. But God always disciplines us for our good, He makes no mistakes. He says that we may share in His holiness. And I want you to notice verse 11. He says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now that verse there teaches us that he's thinking of discipline in the terms of something that's painful. Something that's not pleasant. But it produces something that is pleasant, something that is good, the, the fruit of righteousness. And the discipline of our children, we, he says that we've been trained by it. The, the discipline of the Lord is, is a training tool. And the same is true of our parenting of our children. Discipline is a training tool that it might produce a fruit of righteousness in their life. And this text, together with uh, several verses from Proverbs, argues that that training, this discipline, involves painful correction. And so, and so, some parents try to try to train their children without any kind of physical spanking, and I believe it's a serious mistake because God is, has instructed us that. Just like in our discipline as God's children is painful. The Lord brings things into our life that get our attention. Things that cause us to to stop and say, Wow, I need the Lord. I need to turn away from this action or this attitude. And I need to turn back to the Lord. Physical infliction of pain upon the backside of a child is for the intent of correction. And obviously it should be measured. It should be appropriate. It should be administered uh, out of love for the child. But it should be sufficiently painful to cause that child to to pay attention to what you're saying and to recognize that you are the authority in their life, the God-appointed authority, and what you say matters. And there's consequences if they don't listen to what you say. And, and so that is the purpose of spanking of the rod that the Proverbs uses the term that we might gain the, the attention of the child and to stop them from their own way, their own direction, and to turn them uh, to the way of the Lord, the right way. And Proverbs talks about this way quite a bit. I'm going to quickly show you uh, a couple of of the verses there. Proverbs um, uh, 23, verse 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. In in other words, uh, no parent enjoys, well, I mean, I won't say no, <laughs> most parents don't enjoy spanking. I mean, that's a, that would be pretty bad if you enjoyed spanking your child. But what this proverb is teaching us is that don't dwell upon the, uh, you know, your thoughts of, oh, I can't, I can't do that, the child is unhappy or he's going to cry. No, you must think about what you're wanting to produce, what you're wanting to accomplish, and, and be disciplined, and be diligent, uh, and, and, and keep the, the main goal or the main thing, the main thing that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, notice also Proverbs 16, verse... <clears throat> well, I did something wrong there. No, that's right. Proverbs 16:25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its ends is the way of death. There he's describing this way that um, is natural to us all. The way of man's wisdom. Our own way. The way that we would naturally think is a way that leads away from the Lord. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And again, these are wisdom principles. It doesn't mean that... uh, the Lord is guaranteeing a parent. If you, uh, if you do your best as a parent, then that child is automatically going to grow up and to, um, and to live for the Lord. It's not that automatic. But it is, as a principle, a child that's trained to go the right way, has proper discipline and instruction, that when they get older, that's going to stay with them. and They're going to keep that in their heart. Um, notice the lastly, Proverbs 22, verse 15 Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. There's an Egyptian proverb I read, it says that uh, boys have their ears on their backside. <laughs> I, thought that was pretty I thought that was pretty good. And it speaks to the reality that uh, the spanking is to bring them to point of listening. And to turn their hearts uh, to what is right. Let me quickly. Um, well, I don't have time. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold these. I had some guidelines for discipline. I'm gonna wait and just uh, talk about those in our follow-up time. Uh, but let me move on to um, uh, quickly uh, talk about this second part. It won't take me. Won't take me long to talk about the second part of the of the command from the Lord to bring up our children in the instruction of the Lord. He says the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The instruction is the word uh, new thasia. It's um, uh, the the verb is um, new theo, and you may have heard that word before. It, it basically means to put in the mind. And we get, we get newthetic counseling from this Word. Uh, in other words, biblical counseling that, that, that put, brings the Word of God to someone's mind to, to, that they can think about what God's Word says. In other words, it's using God's Word to counsel and to teach and instruct. And that's what we must do with our children. They, they must be warned, admonished of <clears throat> in the context of their responsibility to the Word of God uh, discipline and instruction should go together in other words we don't just give spanking and without the, without the context of instruction of putting truth the truth of God's word who rang to bear what is right uh, to that child and uh, and so spanking should be done in, in that context of instruction and we must uh, lead our child to recognize that what they do or don't do is according to God's Word. And, and, so, is a, uh, and so with discipline, you, you might give instruction, spanking, and instruction. Or you might just give spanking and instruction, or instruction and spanking. It, the Bible doesn't tell us any order. But what it does tell us is they should be both in the, in the parenting of that child. And so you, when you bring a child um, to correction, you ask them, you know, what did you do? <laughs> you need to lead. Obviously, the child has to be old enough to communicate and understand. What did you do? You lead them to recognize what they did. And, and then you might ask them, what, did, what does God's Word say? And many times they know already because you've told them before. Many times. What does God's Word say? God's Word said you must not lie or you, you must tell the truth or, or the many, many instructions that we have from God's Word about how we're to treat one another and so forth. And then, then you may ask, well, well, according to God's Word, what did you do wrong? And so well, you, you're basically you're framing your instruction based upon uh, not just your authority as a parent, but your authority comes from God's authority. It comes from God's Word. And, and, then, and, and then you may lead the child to say, well, what are you going to do next time? Next time you know, your sister does this or your brother does that, what, what should you do? And so you're, you're training them. You're, you're leading them to repent of their sin, to come to a change of mind about what they've done, to confess that. If it's against you, confess that to you. If it's against someone else, confess that to them. And to receive forgiveness. And so our, our correction, our discipline, and training should, uh, should bring that child to a point of resolution. The, the problem has been resolved. We've received forgiveness. And it's not hanging over them. You're not sending them to, to their room to, you know, for the rest of the day so that they can mope and pout about you know, the situation or feel sorry for themselves about the situation. No, you're, you're dealing with the problem and you're bringing it to... To a resolution, and, and you're you're allowing them to to be clear. That they confess their sin to God. They've confessed their wrong to, to others if others are involved, and and then they're restored. Amen. You're not you're not going to give them solid treatment for the rest of the day, or you're not going to you know do the many things that parents sometimes do to try to try to correct a child in some other way. No, this is God's way. And God's way is the best way. Amen. We can't improve upon what God has given us in His Word. Uh, I want to show you two verses of um, how that this word is used. This word instruction is in New Theo. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. He says, now these things happened to them as an example. He's talking about what happened to Israel in the Old Testament. The discipline that God brought upon them because of their sin, He says, are examples. But they were written down for our instruction. There's your word. On whom the ends of the age has come. In other words, the Old Testament uh, characters, they're good and they're bad, are for our instruction. They're recorded so that we can learn by their obedience and also by their disobedience. And we can learn from that. Acts 20 verse 31 <clears throat> Paul writes therefore be alert remember that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish every one of you with tears and so this word it, it's 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 teaching it's admonishing it's bringing God's word to bear upon life that's instruction putting into the mind of our children and so God's word is is our authority. It's our authority and discipline and instruction in the Lord. Uh, parents are the Lord's agents to bring up their children. In other words, we, we have accountability to Him. Just as our children have accountability to us, we, we are accountable to the Lord. And so we must lead our children and instruct them to think about what God wants. In other words, what pleases the Lord? That should be something that we're leading our children to think about. What does the Lord want? What pleases Him? Not, not naturally, we think about what pleases us. But we have to turn our children to think about, put into their minds the thought, what pleases the Lord? Well, you remember from Deuteronomy 6, three Said to teach them diligently to your children and to talk of them in the way that's that's what we're talking about here, the the putting of God's word into their minds. Let me close with um, this thought about unity. As parents, uh, we need to be unified. We need to be parenting with purpose, and it doesn't take a child very long to to recognize. If Mom and Dad are not unified in their discipline and and training, uh, and they will quickly learn to manipulate the situation it's like the it's like the child that comes to the Father and says, "Mommy said it's okay with her if it's okay with you." but what the mother had actually said is, "Go ask your father <laughs> so you know they just put that little twist on there to to manipulate the situation or they Will realize that um, if 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 parents are not unified and the, if they want this thing, then they'll go ask dad. Or if they want that thing, be sure and go ask mom. Don't you know? You play play off the, the person that you know you can get your way with. And so children learn that very early. They learn how to be professional manipulators of the, the situation. And so as parents, it's, it's imperative that we together have a a purpose. We are unified in our parenting purpose, our our discipline and our instruction. What do we expect? Mom and dad needs to have the same expectations, the same discipline uh, the sa- in other words, the same results for for disobedience. And so this unified purpose allows us to have the unified plan in parenting and if and if there's just the one parent that's believing, that makes the job much more difficult, but it's not impossible. God is with us as believers to help us and to give us grace. He tells, he tells the believing parent in 1 Corinthians um, uh, seven, or the, the, the believing spouse that um, the husband or the wife, the unbelieving spouse and the child is sanctified because of you. In other words, they doesn't mean that they be, they're saved. Or they become saved, but it, but it does mean that they are set apart for God because of your influence of the believing uh, spouse or the or the believing parent. And so, as as uh, believers, even if we are in the task by ourselves as a, as a Christian parent, the Lord is with us to help us, and and He will use our influence in that child's life. But if if you're as a as a couple, both love the Lord and and want to raise your child to love the Lord, then what a blessing that is. What, what, a, what a privilege that is to be able to, to parent. And, and so we must be committed to, to having a unified plan in our parenting for the honor and the glory of the Lord. And so we, uh, we must be proactive in our discipline and instruction to, to raise up a child so that when they, when they do grow up, um, the Lord will, will will be able to use the the foundation that we've given them from God's Word, and the Lord can open their hearts to receive Him as their Savior, and that child will will love the Lord with their whole being and uh, and desire to honor Him. Well, I trust that these words have have helped you, and many of you here this morning are not parenting at the moment you may have children but you don't have young children in the home but I hope it's hope it's encouraged you to pray for parents that do have children in the home and uh, maybe it will help you if um, some some parent comes along and and exasperated and says what what must I do And, and so you don't you don't just give them your ideas Take them to God's word and show them, show them how God has given us his plan for how to parent children. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we could have this time together this morning in your word, and that we're reminded again of you as our Heavenly Father, and how that you love us. And because you love us, you sometimes bring painful things into our life to cause us to turn from our own thinking and our own way to turn to You. Lord, I pray as parents that we might uh, pattern our love for our children after Your love. And that we would have the courage of conviction to parent in a a task that's uh, very demanding and very difficult requiring wisdom and determination. I pray that You would bless the parents present here this morning and part of our, our church family. And help us, Father, that um, no longer have children at home, that we would be praying for them. And that we'd be living before the children in our church, uh, examples that they can follow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.